Oh yeah, one one thing I wanted to ask you about was so like of course last year was your first marathon. Yeah. Which was quite a day, quite a day indeed. And I'm curious now, like, because it seemed like after you did it, you're like, okay, I did it. <laughs> and I'm curious, and like I was pushing you, like, oh, you're gonna want to do it again. You're gonna just like sign up, sign up, sign up. And I'm curious. Like now that some time has passed, now that you're starting to run again, do you, are you like, are you still sort of take like on the fence about it? Or how do you feel about doing a marathon in the future? Is this for the podcast? Is this like an actual answer? We're recording right, right now. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't really, <laughs> really like had started. Here we go. Oh yeah. I don't, well, I don't like to do, make it too formal. You know, it's just, uh. We're here. Okay. I'll, I'll trim off the beginning where I was coughing a lot, but then I'll, but, but then, you know, this is it. This is live. Okay. Cool. So you could, maybe we could trim <laughs> the first part of that answer too, where I seem like I have no idea what's happening. Um, okay. So in terms <laughs> of, yeah, first marathon reactions, I mean, I was just going into that marathon, hoping to God I'd cross the finish line. Um, because yeah. I knew I had trained and I thought I had trained like decently well, but I was compensating with a lot of like trips before due to like wedding planning. I was dealing with a hip injury. And so I just was like, I, if I cross that finish line, like come hell or high water, that's all I want to do. And similar to my first half marathon, it was just such an amazing experience. And I had so much fun along the way. And mm -hmm. I just really enjoyed it so much in a way that I didn't anticipate. I thought it was just going to be a lot of pain and a lot of torture to get across the finish line. And I was lucky that I um, had a really, really good race for me. Um, and so, yeah, I felt really excited right after that being like, yes, I want to sign up for every every marathon. I want to keep this momentum going. Uh, I entered the lottery for uh, Chicago and New York for uh, uh, 2023 and unfortunately didn't get selected into either of those. Um, I think I'll definitely marathon again someday in the future, just a matter of when. Um, my biggest fear now, I think, is I was so spoiled by my first marathon and having like a great race, yeah. a good friend to run with. Um, it wasn't too hard on my body overall. At least I didn't suffer a lot uh, too much during the race. And also it was a New York City marathon. It was 50,000 runners with people screaming and cheering for you every inch of the race for the most part, uh, with the exception of a couple of bridges. Um, and yeah. I know that if I go and I do a marathon in the middle of Minnesota, that I'm not going to have that same experience. And I think the ambiance really did uh, play a big role for me. So I, I'm I wonder if I started off with so much of a bang that like anything that follows it might might not meet my expectations. It's totally true because the other one, the other, it's the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, but at the same time, like you can't just like throw away that world. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope I'm bummed you're not you didn't make it into this year from the lottery. But are you doing the nine plus one, or? Have you, have you, you made know, that I decision? <laughs> I have not made the decision if I'm going to do the nine plus one this year. I think it would be smart for me to do so just so I have, you know, the option. Yes. And I also just enjoy like the shorter races for what they are. Um, they're fun um, items for me to have on my calendar. Uh, I think 
the biggest thing holding me up at this point is whether or not like I'm going to be living in New York City come 2024 and oh. how that impacts like if I want to like run that marathon, if I like might've newly moved out of the city at that time, mm-hmm. this is like still like TBD. But I think like, if I move out of New York city in like early 2024, do I want to come back for the marathon? Would that be like too much of an, an emotional experience? Would that be more of a reason to do it? But I think the New York city marathon has a bit of a grip on me in that, in that capacity. So I'm going to think through it a little bit more uh, before I, I make a commitment to like, you know, it, the, the <laughs> money and the time that it takes to complete the nine plus one. Um, but yeah. it's definitely on the table just tbd i well i I feel the same way like i in case i move i would come back for it because i feel like it's the perfect excuse to come back and visit you know yeah you get to go through all five boroughs but you might you might move next year it's on the table. Nothing yeah. is written in stone yet. We just resigned our lease here for another year in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, with rent prices growing, uh, going up, and thinking about like longer term, like is this yeah. where you know we see ourselves being able to like raise a family really easily? I think that's something that we're thinking through. Yeah. Um, and so each year, you know, as that lease resigning comes up, and they jack up the rent another time, another time, it kind of just you know, starts those conversations all over again, which I think is probably why it's really fresh for me right now, because we just went through it. Um, but who knows? I, I think what your point that you just shared, though, is a really uh, good one that, you know, there's no better way or it's one of the best ways to really celebrate everything that New York is in running that marathon, because, you know, you just get to see all of the locals, and people that travel in going through, you know, all five boroughs, even if Staten Island is just for yeah. <laughs> seconds in the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and it's it's iconic in every sense. It's uh, always been my favorite day in New York, even when I was just a spectator for many years. The city's electric, and if you're going to come for any day uh, to the city, it, it it's a great one to choose. Yeah, it's like I tell people, it's kind of like um, it feels like the Olympics. Like, be, well, even though it's New York centered, uh, it's like yeah, you have people from all over the world, and um i i had heard it's really fun as a spectator and then one i think it was 2019 i had to be a spectator because i was injured and my uncle was running it and even like i I think i yeah i think i was just a spectator by myself that year um and like just like bar hopping it was just with random people there like I am actually jealous of the spectators when we run it because it's like, I wish there, I don't know. I wish I could relive that day twice. Cause just like (laughs) going from bar to bar and then like checking your phone and be like, Oh, so-and-so's like almost out there. Or my person is almost out there. I got to run outside and cheer them on. And then like hopping on the train, going to the next place. And it's like, okay, let's find a bar while we wait for the the person. It is such a fun day. Um, and also, yes, to the rent thing. And actually, oddly enough, that's like one thing that might keep me in New York, kind of, is because my place is rent controlled. And like, it's, I'm afraid to give it up. Because like, I look at the rent, I was just looking at rents recently in New York. Because um, I was like, oh, well, how much would it be if I moved into like a nicer, like one of those high rises, just like out of curiosity. And it's like, I mean more than double maybe triple like what i'm paying now it's just so it's insane so but if you move would that be 
oh is is number one on the list ohio uh it's definitely up there um you know, just because it's where I grew up and where I have a, a ton of family really centralized and my yeah. husband's family is smaller and more spread all throughout the country. So, you know, Ohio has a lot of gravity for us, but we are entertaining a couple other options too, including like upstate New York. Uh, we've uh, traveled there a lot just because it's a fun place for us to get away to for um, some wine tasting. Uh, it's the Finger uh, Lakes. Yeah, the Finger Lakes. <laughs> Um, and the, so many cute towns around like Seneca and Cayuga Lake are, are just like lovely and actually relatively affordable, especially uh, compared to uh, here in the city. So lots of things on the table. We have a year to kind of, you know, figure it out. And if we kick the can down the road, great. I would live in New York for the rest of my life if I had all the means in the world. And hopefully one yeah. day I have the means to be able to set up shop here permanently. But until then, I, I want to live life to the fullest. And sometimes it can be hard to do so in, in New York, as strange as that seems. Yeah. And by the way, um, to briefly address the listeners, <laughs> Abby's husband is Mike, who I actually know. <laughs> Mike, who is cinematographer or I can't remember. Maybe the title is director of photography for Nanek. And Abby was assistant director for many things. You know what? Actually, I was just thinking about this recently because um uh like I've been like I wanted to have you on to like I don't know, talk a little we could talk about anything like I said, but like especially touch on the running thing because that's something we share and like I think the marath like run the whole marathon world has changed my life. But I was also thinking about um like uh one thing that I because I've told you that I think you're a really good assistant director and like you've said that you've kind of gotten similar feedback from people like even in the corporate world, like how you can how you are you have a certain set of skills. And I think what it is for me, I was just thinking about this, like what it actually is, is like. When like if I'm if I need if I'm writing something and I need, and I'm looking for feedback or help or something, most people's indi- most people's gut instinct is, oh, I'm going to give a bunch of ideas, which on my side of things is sort of like them saying, I'm going to try writing it. But mm-hmm. what I think you do that's so great um, that I think, I don't know if all assistant directors do this, but I, what I think you do really well and that I try and ask from people now is more like, what's working, what's not working. Because then that's because you're still shining the light on ultimately what matters. Like if this is, if this is good, let's keep doing that. If there, there might be a, but also red flag, there might be a problem over here. And I like that. I like that approach because it still allows me to be the writer because you, because you could have, you could have, yeah, you could you could have a thousand ideas, but ultimately it's like, well, I got to go in one direction. So <laughs> let's go in my direction since I'm the writer. Uh, but I know it's different for other directors because like I think Martin Scorsese does like he takes ideas left and right. Like he he doesn't care. Like so different different people are different. But that was just one just kind of a tangent. But yeah, Um no, I really but, appreciate that. But that was one thing I was thinking about why I think you're so and the other thing I've told you before, but I'll say it officially on the podcast, is that you're really also really good about 
taking initiative to figure out ways to be valuable or helpful without someone being like, hey, can you do this for me? Or can, do I, can I find something for you to do? Um, but I'm guessing you want to, like you're a busy person, but I'm, I'm guessing you want to continue the artistic stuff as well, the film, theater, and explore that more, right? Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for the high compliments. I appreciate them uh, really greatly. I I do try to anticipate needs. I think that comes from a lot of uh, different places, whether that be my service industry background or or just like in general wanting to be helpful. But when it comes to like the, uh, you know, what's working, what's not working, asking core questions and letting people who are the ultimate decision makers make decisions, I think is great and a great way to get buy-in from folks. Um, but ultimately when people are, and I take this like in a corporate way and also mm -hmm. artistic way, when somebody in the end of the day is like, you know, holding the paintbrush or pressing record on like, it's going to be like their vision at the end of the day. And so if you help them discover things rather than like putting things in front of them, I think that for me has worked uh, most effectively. And I'm glad to hear that it's a great way that we can work together. Um, and yes, to answer like the question you just asked, I of course want to keep dabbling in the arts and find new projects longer term. It's actually um, funny enough, uh, one of the things I find more challenging about living in New York City um, growing up in Cleveland, Ohio, we had a really, really big theater scene mm -hmm. there. Um, I think uh, our Playhouse Square in Cleveland, Ohio, would like to boast about like second large, largest theater district in the country, something like that. I'm not sure exactly how they okay. mentioned that, um, but they like to boast about their theater community and because we have a lot of uh, regional theaters there and community theaters. It's a really big part of uh, just how people uh you know get together and it's actually how my parents met was uh doing a community theater production of Brigadoon together oh um, I don't think I knew that yeah oh, so it's cool totally their fault that they had three daughters that were really interested in the arts yeah. from a young age um but with that said um I grew up constantly in different community theater productions and had lots of chances to explore it um and I always knew in my adult world although I was attempting to you know pursue it professionally, like here in New York, that there would be so many opportunities for me to continue to like, you know, just do shows on the side or, yeah. you know, keep those creative juices flowing. But because we have such a high population of pure professionals here, that hasn't necessarily been the case. Um, just because, you know, community theaters here really don't exist. You just uh, you know, have like professionals that want to come in and then when they're available is like, you know, to rehearse is during the nine to five hours. Um, and mm -hmm. I feel like I would have more opportunities to be fulfilled artistically and to take on new challenges if I was outside of like this really extreme artist hub here. And, um, but I, the really important caveat being I think if you want to, you know, do art here in New York um, that is outside of like the really big professional shiny world, it means you have to create it on your own. And I think that's something that you've done really well um, over the past few years. And I'm really grateful that you've been able to bring me into those projects in different capacities because it's something that I've, you know, been wanting for over the past few years. So kudos to you for <laughs> really making it happen for yourself and for many others like me. That Hey, that's the, that's, why well, tell everyone to do make your own shit you know like it's like that's what I, I remember like part I had always wanted to do my own stuff but like I remember must have been like seven years ago eight years ago I was doing like a ton of those pay-to-play classes and like first I was doing theater stuff and then I was doing the film stuff 
because the theater seemed like I was too, I felt like I was too far behind to get into that game. And then I was like, well, maybe film. And I remember like, it was just, it's so stupid. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Like there's a way to make it makes sense now, but in, in hind in not hindsight, but back then I was so frustrated by that whole world because, um, because basically it's like for film, it's like you need like professional real uh, footage to to be considered for anything. And you can't submit yourself for even smaller projects without real footage, even student projects, like even like an NYU short film is going to get a thousand submissions on whatever website is used now. And so eventually it just came down to like, you, you just have to make your own stuff. And then also like, there's just countless stories. That's, that's how a lot of people make their way. Like, even if we see them as just like actors or whatever, like, they probably many people get discovered because or get put into something bigger because they do something smaller that they made themselves. Um, so I feel the frustration and like, yeah, you're right. I think it's just like, you got to make your own stuff. Um, you know, though, uh, one thing you were making me think of though, was, um, like the parallels between like the corporate world and the artistic world, which, I feel like there is no real separation. I feel like it's just one world and like the, the core things that are true for one are true for the other. And like, yeah, asking core questions. And I don't know if it's true for you, but it's true for me. Like now that I have a corporate job, like the, the key things like communication, identifying the core problem you're trying to solve, respecting hierarchy, if you it's like those three things are like everyone's dancing around those issues both in the arts and no pun intended and in like the corporate world I mean, do, do you feel like they're the kind of stuff you run into is basically the same or i mean for oh, me it is definitely yes yes i i i see it uh in uh corporate world i see it in the arts i was uh I, I see it everywhere, including like, I don't know, reality TV. I've been on mm -hmm. a recent uh, binge of Below Deck, which I never really watched before. But even in watching, like some of those characters pass through, I'm like, I know who this person is, like the archetypes that show up and how they work and how they think and how they problem solve. Yes. Like you just, you find them everywhere. And I, I feel like I could like pinpoint to exact people in my life and, and draw those parallels. Um, and, you know, to even further expand on that point, I think something that really stood out to me, and of course I'm super biased because I fall into this category, but when I moved from the arts world to a corporate job um, and decided to make that change a bit more permanent, I I brought a few of my arts friends with me slowly over time, or they made the decision on their own. And the commonality between all of us is that we really excelled in that transition. And I think it's because the arts like really uh challenged us um throughout our earlier careers and even before that to like 
you know, knowing that you have to think on your feet, constantly problem solving, like always working together as a team, communicating really effectively. And these are skills that, are, you know, might be considered quote unquote soft skills in uh, the corporate world. But I, I didn't realize until I moved over that, you know, those things are so valuable. And there are things that not everybody that might have pursued, you know, more traditional careers from the outset naturally have, and they might be things that they need to work towards. And all of my um, arts-driven friends have really excelled in, in the business world. And I think that's great. Um, and I want, you know, fellow arts people to know that in case they ever feel that they want to explore that transition for themselves, or if they just feel like they need to do it for a short time for necessity, that you have so much value to bring over here. Um, and that, you know, should be like, you know, celebrated and, and, and amplified more. Um, unfortunately, I feel like the arts world can be a bit, uh, <laughs> a bit uh, understatement of the century, uh, you know, a bit critical of its people and make people feel like smaller or less valuable than they truly are. And um, I think that needs to change within the arts world. But I hope that they know that there are other opportunities for them to explore where the value that they have as a person today can like really be amplified. So Shout out. Yeah. I love my corporate transition. <laughs> you know, though, with some, with some of that, though, one uh, to kind of to debate. <laughs> um, one thing I think about, like when it comes to the value of artistic people, I think because um, I think what am I trying to say? I think people don't know how they are valuable often with artistic people. Cause you could have someone who thinks, Oh, I, it, it, it kind of comes down to entitlement and being able to adapt and, and recognize what you have to do. Like, for example, there are probably some people who believe that, you know, my, you know, maybe they believe that it is meant to be that they are an act, a leading actor in movies and they should be getting, you know, millions of dollars doing that. And anything below that or outside of that is wrong for them or 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 they are not getting what they deserve, which is which is, I think, why some people are. And I and I speak partly from my own experience of how I used to feel about myself. Like for a long time, I was like, I'll never be a waiter. That's beneath me. I could never, like, I'm not going to do that because that's the sign of someone who is like struggling to be an artist. Like that was when I was like in my early, very early twenties, like straight out of college. But I, but I will also say that, you know, talking about being an artistic person who works in the tech or corporate world, even briefly, there, I think there are some artists who are unwilling to do that because they they think that that is quitting. And so I agree with you that they have value they can provide, but I also think part of why they have it so hard is because they're not open to the value they can actually provide. They just live in their fantasy of what value they wish they could provide to a movie or a Broadway show. So that's where I think that's where I think the the real trouble lies is like in like honestly, in some ways, I feel like sometimes artists are doing it to themselves. They're like putting themselves in like like some something's not working, like keep moving, adapt like and and like I know it's 
like you know people could debate so many things like people like streaming and like there's so many debate you know or um you know broadway salaries or regional theater salaries or like there are so many things that could be debated but i but in but that's what you made me think of like because i agree there are people out there who um they have more value than they give themselves credit for but it, i think it's value that they don't realize they have i think they're focusing on something else like and you know it's also true like like it's tough too because you can't like if you push people too hard then they just you just being an asshole you know but it's like with um so i just recorded a episode with uh morgan who like she's produced a bunch of cabarets just like i have and um you know the thing is is like morgan like Morgan was able to do all that stuff because she took initiative and like figured out how to do it. But there are some people I've talked to who have come to me to be like, Hey, can you produce this for me? And I say, no, I can't, I don't have time, but I'll tell you everything you need to do. And they won't do it. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is because they don't think that that is their job, that they don't like, they feel like they feel upset at the world that there isn't someone else providing that for them and so i think but but i get upset at them because i know they can do it and they it's and it's just simply a difference in mindset so i i try so i usually get upset and just take a step back so that i don't say anything i'll regret but i but i have but this this is like an interesting i don't know dilemma with the artistic world because I'll, I'll i'll end it on a good note what i'm trying to say i agree they can provide so much value especially in the corporate world and make plenty of money yes those are my Absolutely. 10 cents um, on that <laughs> for sure i i i hear you and i think there's you know so many great points you just shared um and i think a lot of them go like stem from you know this idea of like what the arts community or what a successful career uh whatever that means you know looks like to people um whatever picture we painted for ourselves like when we end when we chose to enter an arts career um and just yeah how how hard it is i i don't i think that's not ever really communicated to people well enough is like just what the struggle is and how much work you really do have to invest with like very little output or, or, uh, or thanks, um, for a long period of time. And yeah, I'm sure people do feel to a certain degree entitled or maybe that they don't want to put in like the level of extra work to really amplify themselves. And like, I will take it a step further by saying like, to a certain extent, I fall into that category on my own. Um, I definitely fell off of auditioning for a long time because I was working at uh, Ellen's Artist Diner where I first met you, um, mm -hmm. where I got the chance to perform on a very regular basis for people that would clap for me and tell me how good I was instead <laughs> of the people in the audition room who give you a very polite thank you and you never hear anything again. You have to wait, wake up at four in the morning to even possibly get the pleasure of seeing those people in the audition room. And to me, I was getting the artistic fulfillment, essentially, as sad as that might sound, for, like separate from that. And I was able to make money doing it. And I didn't have, I, I lost the motivation to really fight for something bigger for myself. Um, 
And I feel like, you know, those little artistic traps and stuff can, you know, hurt people. And also you, you can just feel like uh, undervalued or like demotivated at a certain point. And I guess like, that's really what I want to communicate uh, to folks is I, I know that like the arts can seem like all or nothing. Um, at this point though, you know, with the arts being becoming like lower and lower paid on a regular basis, like it's becoming less and less of a viable long-term career. Like if you ever want some more stability, just know that like your value exists outside of what, you know, uh, whatever you're singing or acting or producing, like that you can, you can do so much more. Um, and it can just bring you joy when you pursue it for yourself. And that's something else that I've really liked about my transition is like now when I take on art stuff, it's not to help make uh rent that month it is mm -hmm. just because i love it and i'm loving it that much more because it's separate from my finances <laughs> but yeah. abby's take of course did you see me spill coffee on myself by the way i i did um, okay I, good so okay? everyone else saw it are, are you scalded <laughs> it, no it's not that hot it's just no whatever <laughs> okay. i'll just uh i'll live with the shame of drooling all over myself yeah, no, I actually, you bring up a good point that, like, I, I always, I never wanted to separate the arts. Like, I always wanted the arts to be my moneymaker. That's what everyone wants. Like, people, people, especially artists will always be like, it's not about the money. It is about the money because you want to make a, you want to make enough money to live off of that so that you can do that and not do something else to make money to you know you want all your time available to be, be making art as soon that being said as soon as i got a good job um that i like and value and blah 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 um and i was able to yeah kind of kind of have a little bit more clarity and focus when i took the time to work on artistic projects so much happier now <laughs> so much happier now um uh yeah i did yeah i um i don't know i think I, I think it was you who were telling me one time too about like um what is it like i think maybe one of your past jobs how um they would bring in people to basically do improv games with some like for I think the example was there might be engineers or software developers or whoever and maybe they're very talented at their specific skill set but what they aren't good at is maybe communicating and speaking in front of groups of people which eventually if you work on a team you have to do you have to like communicate with multiple people and to help those people, they basically bring people experts in to do basically, basically what are improv games. And I, I think that's basically what it was, right? Yeah, it, definitely. Um, you're remembering correctly. Basically, there are so many uh, soft skills that need to like be coached or or amplified for people, um, you know, in corporate spaces or people who are just like less familiar with that type of work. So, yes, um, some of the examples you pointed out, uh, we've hired people to come in to teach um, like presentation skills in everything from like creating like engaging slides, what you write on, on those slides, how you prepare, how you approach the Zoom, or if you're doing it in person, how you hold a microphone, how you deal with the nerves of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we paid those people tens of thousands of dollars to come in and teach people these skills. Um, I think the improv example too actually applied with, you know, some of the people that might be more 
uh, gregarious in nature, our, our sales team. Um, but you know, just, and that was more fun. It was team bonding, but also when you're, um, you know, in a sales call or, and you're in a big sales meeting with these high level executives and there's like millions of dollars on the line, you need to be able to think on your feet. And when somebody says this and you're working with like maybe two other people from your team and you're not able to like sidebar all the time, how do you respond to one another? How do you communicate and hold each other up and for lack of, you know, better terms, yes. And, um, to get yeah. to your end goal, um, also like lots of money that we paid out in that particular example, we did have people that came in like from the arts community there, they are an improv group that now specializes in like corporate trainings. Um, so, so many different opportunities. And I think it's, uh, it was really comforting for me to see like just how many skills I and my friends have been able to like gather over the years and how much literal money value companies see in those skills so much so that they want to make sure that everybody else can operate on that same level um when it comes to you know how you communicate and and present it's important stuff yeah i just feel like there are so many like for example improv actors who don't realize that there are corporations out there who will pay like instead of going and making a hundred or two hundred dollars in a day in a shift at a restaurant, you could be like leading a workshop for some big company and get thousands of dollars and you would be using your improv skills. Like that, that's like one example of like how you can like, I just think there's so much, uh, there's so much opportunity out there that I think, but I think people just don't realize it always because that, and you know, it actually reminds me of like in filmmaking, one, one thing that people don't always realize is the value of commercial work. Well, and it's true for actors too, because actors usually get in because they want to do Broadway or Holly or film or whatever. And then they eventually find out about how, uh, commercials are a great way to make money. And the same true, so same with improv. Yeah, you could do classes for for businesses. And same with like filmmaking, people get into it and then they're like, oh, the real money is in making commercials and stuff like that, you know, for corporations basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's so but many options. I actually just looked uh, this up on LinkedIn, but I was chatting with, I was having a sales call um, just the other day with a possible company to come in and host uh, some manager training for all of our people, managers. I work in HR. So this is something that I oversee and I'm looking at a number of different vendors and it turns out the salesperson and I had some mutual contacts, one of which was actually a theatrical contact um, of ours, Gabrielle Elizabeth, actually. Um, oh. And we used to work together at this company nice. called Immersion, which is one of these more improv setup companies um, which will challenge managers to have um, difficult conversations. Maybe you're coaching somebody, you're providing difficult feedback, or you you need to like, you know, implement like a disciplinary um, action. And, and they will put like people in front of you that are either like real people or avatars that are backed by real humans to challenge you to like, how are you going to think through these situations? Um, so there's so many different options out there. And it really gives people the 
uh, opportunity to get that like live practice in because with certain skill sets in life, it, it's, you learn better by doing, um, yeah. or you can care all you want until like you're in the room and the pressure's on and everything tends to, you know, fly out the window. So get those jitters out by really practicing. Um, or the people that do like the simulations for, uh, nursing students. I did that in college where I went over to the nursing school and, you know, pretended, you know, to be some sort of a patient that was struggling with something or was passing away. And a family member was angry and another family member and how do they mitigate those situations? It's really, really valuable stuff. And at the end of the day, you're still acting and you're, you're yeah. still paid, which is great. There's like a Seinfeld episode, I think, right? <laughs> when the, oh, is there? The gonorrhea episode or something like that, or I don't remember. What oh, it no. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I think it's Kramer's. I think that's what it was. Um, you know, like you made me think of another thing too, with um, like in terms of the soft skills, the, the skills that we have, from our our life as performers like as we transition into these other jobs like I think I think it was in it might have been the interview for my current job or just a couple interviews where they you know in my job right now as a designer I often you know I have to present my designs and be like um and to clients you know and blah 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 where it's like okay this is we took what you said this is what we made this is why um, and like the question is, of course, like, are you, do you feel comfortable like presenting in front of people? And like, I think my answer was, well, I used to sing in front of hundreds of people dressed up in silly costumes. So like, that's not going to be a problem for me. Like, <laughs> and, um, and the other thing you made me think about was, um, like, I think part of it has been for, yeah, it's been from the artistic world. Um, some of it was as a performer, some of it was like, leading projects and stuff like short films or concerts or whatever but like it's so high stakes in the artistic world that it's almost easier when you get into the corporate world and you're in a high stakes environment because the stakes are not as high like everything mm -hmm. is like well not everything but at least in my experience there's been some high stakes situations or you know where you know like we have to figure out a decision and like we need to come together and figure out what's the real issue we're trying to solve and i feel so comfortable in those situations because of like theater and mu the music world and the film world because that was just like off the charts you know <laughs> like stress and stuff so yeah you're I'm just seconding your point from before about like transferable skills and like the value you can provide. And, um, um, yeah, yeah. But back to running. Back to running. When you, when you get tired of your, uh, arts or corporate job and you need to relieve stress, go, go, go back to running. Yeah. How, how often are you running right now? Um, now that I'm training for the half marathon, I'm running probably four days a week. I'll do mm -hmm. like the weekday runs, uh, you know, the shorter ones. And then I'll do the long run on like the weekend. I, I try to aim for, uh, Saturdays if I can, um, I should probably up that a bit, but if I get all four done, I consider that a pretty strong week. Um, not too bad. Have you, have you thought about, um, that's about what I do too. Um, I was just thinking though, like, cause we were talking about way earlier, the, 
um, doing uh, more marathons in the future. Have you thought, or have you looked at least looked in for fun, looked at some of the like other world major marathons or like the international ones, like Berlin, London, Paris. Well, Paris isn't one of the world majors, but it's one of the bigger ones. Have you looked at their websites at all? Um, I've looked at Chicago, obviously, because I entered their lottery right. uh, this past fall. Um, and I have a uh, an acquaintance of mine um, who is also into running here in New York City. She lives up in like Washington Heights, like Inwood area. And uh, she has really fallen in love with marathoning like over the past I don't know, three years or so. Um, and so now she's going for all world majors and I believe she's doing London here in a few weeks. So in that sense, yes, I've stalked the London marathon a little bit beyond that. No, not too much. Um, but I, I, I think I would do probably one more, at least here in the States before I think about marathoning internationally. It was so nice. And I was really spoiled because I'm obviously a local to New York that like yeah. my marathon prep, I was like running, different like small pieces of the course you know more regularly uh but also just when it came down to the logistics of race day my parents got to come into town my sisters already also live here I got to eat breakfast in my own apartment (laughs) before heading over to the Staten Island Ferry I can only imagine like the the meal prepping and the stress of travel on the body right before a big race like that, I, that seems overwhelming to me. It was overwhelming when I had like all, I had all the best cards in my hand. So probably one more at home or at least, you know, same continent before I venture out. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know how Chicago is. Um, yeah, I'm excited I wish you were for doing you. it. I still have to book my hotel, which is awful. It's so expensive. I it's bet. so expensive. It's awful. Um, but when I did Berlin, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. But I think Berlin's also just a more affordable city. But um, I highly recommend care. it. If you if you ever feel like just randomly entering the lottery on a whim, I highly recommend Berlin. I would do it again. I w- if you were to submit to Berlin, I would submit as well. Because I want to go back. Um, and it wasn't the worst thing in the world with the travel. Because I think I, I think it was like, I just made sure to get there like three days early or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. which might be harder now because back then it was working at the restaurant where you just take off whatever days you want. Um, but that being said, it was it was awesome. It was smaller than New York. Uh, just in terms of like the number of people, but it was still pretty damn cool. It was just obviously pretty cool to be running in a foreign city <laughs> it was just like it added to the um i don't know intensity of it it was just like such a unique experience um i love seeing all of the people that came from so many countries around the world to the new york city marathon seeing them at the expo when you're picking up your bibs and everything and there's just like this electric excitement that's all in the air and everything um, but yeah, the fact that people like, you know, from around the world that like, come to like you know, our city to go and like run through our boroughs, it's just, it's just so cool. And there is really a sense of community. I feel on race day. And I don't know if you feel similarly, but you know, when oh, yeah. you're prepping for a race or like, you know, getting in corrals and everything, you're, you're just this mutual goal, even though everybody's doing their own thing, 
It's just because you know the work that you had to put in to get there. And you know that everybody around you is doing that, that everyone around you might be nervous and that they have their people out there on the course probably waiting for them too. And it it's just so cool. I, I, I love how unifying the individual sport of running can be. Oh, yeah. I'm curious, has it, has it like running or maybe half marathon running or marathon running has, do you feel like it's changed you at all? Maybe it hasn't. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I, I think it, it really has, uh, just because my relationship to like working out and fitness and has always been a bit, uh, interesting throughout my life. I, I grew up dancing. Uh, and so, you know, naturally I was like very active and then that changed in my life. And so, and I didn't ever really have to like work out, work out before mm -hmm. as an adult. Um, but something I have known throughout my entire life is if I'm inactive for any periods of time, my mental health absolutely tanks. Mm -hmm. I feel sluggish and sad. Yeah. I don't want to leave my apartment. And so what running has brought me, cause I don't, like the treadmill. Um, I, I also do not have a treadmill in my apartment building. Um, it forces me to leave my house every day. And if there's anything yeah. that running has brought me, it's brought me that, that like when I get out into fresh air, whether it's like raining, like it is right, right now, or it's windy or it's a beautiful day. Like I am forced to go out into the world and it's just a forced perspective. And it's also kind of like a form of meditation because it's just you and your thoughts. Um, or whatever music or podcast you're listening to. And it's just time alone to focus the on John Walbolt podcast. The John Walbolt podcast. <laughs> which I, I actually have listened, I listened to the Scott episode on a on a yeah. short one not too long ago. Um it was lovely, highly recommend. Um, but yeah, it, it I think there's also, and this might be a bit getting a bit too crunchy, but like something about like the rhythmic like breathing you kind of have to do though, which almost mm -hmm. reminds me of like yoga in a way mm -hmm. that is just so great. And I think ha having found something, I think that can be different for everyone, but for me running, finding something that forces you to kind of like turn inward and do something on your own and focus and get out of the house that has definitely changed me. Um, in terms of the races themselves, I guess I could put it in a similar place where I find that if I don't have a race to work towards, then I'm a lot less likely to make myself get out of the house. There's something about that deadline that just gets yeah. me going. I was really hoping like after my half and then after my marathon that like, I would just, I like running. So I'll just go running because yeah. turns out <laughs> I need something to make me lose up, at uh, least up my sneakers. So um, I, I'm happy to always have some sort of race on the horizon that I can be working towards because that seems to be what really keeps me, keeps me going. Well, I think that's the benefit to like, especially the New York Roadrunner races. Um, like when I'm still kind of getting, I guess I'm kind of back into it. Um, but when I was like really at my peak of running before my injury, like, you know, Every month there was some big race I had to work towards. There was either a half or 10 miles or like maybe even just a 10 K, but then it was, but then there would be like a marathon coming up around like months down the line. So I had to keep that in mind and it's like, okay. And then that would be over and it's like, okay, I have to recover because now I have to get ready for something else coming down the line, like four or five months later. And that is a hundred percent like the maybe the best benefit is just having that sort of like, I mean, it's great to have something set 
like some something you can work towards where you don't it's you don't have to think too much about it where it's just like i have okay i have my goal and i need to get ready for it um and i totally agree about like getting outside and mental health and i'll just say that i'm not a morning person so i don't do this a lot but my best days just enjoying life are always when i get up and run or the earlier the better like um i just went for the first time there's a group in central park called like the central park running club and i followed i found them on instagram when i was injured so i'd never joined them because of that and then later i didn't join them because they get up earlier than i do um <laughs> but i finally ran with them a couple days ago and it was awesome because like it was also the thing that is my favorite of when you get outside before the sun comes up and like the world is quiet and then like you start running and then by the time you're done running the sun like the sunrise has happened and it's like okay the day is starting right now and i feel great um but while i was running someone asked me an interesting question they were like they're like do you are you a runner who likes running or do you like the feeling of post running Ooh, wow. That's Which I hadn't thought of. I, I definitely, I, I love the feeling of post running. Like, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Great. Cause like, and I, I've, I guess it's a bit of a slight slanted question because like in yeah. one, I'm like actively exercising and in one, I'm not. And so yeah. I think I'll favor, uh, I, uh, I'll favor the one where I, you know, I've already done the work and I just get to reap the reward. Um, but I do actually really find myself enjoying running like for, in and of itself, uh, to your point, I, I, uh, morning runs are just absolutely beautiful. Most of the time I I'm lucky enough to be a morning person and I like, I prefer working out in the morning. Um, so that's great, but yeah, especially when, you know, it's, you know, training season and you go out and it's nice and early, you might see a few other runners out there who, you know, also might be like doing their long run for that week. Mm -hmm. And then, um, by the time you finish up, like here at Prospect Park, maybe the farmer's market is like fully set up and finally humming. It's great. You come back, you take a shower, you go out <laughs> for like, if you're me, you're yeah. a long run treat of the weekend. So they'll go out to dinner that night or go grab drinks somewhere. And it's just like the best day because you took, you like took care of yourself in the morning, got to like see the day start. And then by the time it's 10 a.m., you've already accomplished something and you're feeling yeah. great. Like, I love it. Oh, yeah. I also, the when, uh, yeah, I love that post run. Uh, my favorite thing about during running is like when you're doing an actual race and you're like sticking, you're like feel good. And you're like, you have some sort of plan. Cause that that's normal for me where I usually have some goal for like a specific time. And I usually break it down by a mile where I'm like, okay, I have to be at like, each mile I have to be running this pace and like I have to stick to it and like come on let's fucking do it and um and I kind of feel that way during training sometimes sometimes you just got to get the miles in but then sometimes it's like no I gotta push myself and I gotta like and and so even the fact that you're in so much pain like <laughs> it still feels good to be like consciously overcoming that like even today I like so today I ran six miles and I was feeling awful um 
like very early on, like around mile two, two and a half, I, I wanted to stop multiple times. And often in the recently in the last few years, if I if I'm feeling really bad, I will stop because I don't want to do another injury that makes me have to stop running for two years. Um, but like more recently and like today included, it's just like, no, it's just like just run through the pain a bit because it doesn't feel like something's going to break. It just feels like I'm freaking tired. And then like eventually like your body gets through it. And then like, like I, I thought I was going to have to stop after three miles and I was able to do the full six, you know, cause eventually, eventually just like able to move through it. And that's actually, that actually might be my favorite thing is just like learning these sort of like, I feel like there's so many parallels to life and working hard to marathon running. Like I, I could talk about that for hours, but like, that is one of them where like, and it's true for the arts, like, it's hard. And you think you need to, you think it's like, Oh, like this is awful. I can't do this. And then it's like, you keep going and turns out you can keep going, you know, like you thought you had to stop here. You able to go twice as far as you thought you could go. Um, but I could, I could go on and on about <laughs> marathon parallels. Um, yeah. So what's uh what are you treating yourself today to if today was your long run? Yeah, today's the long run. Um and luckily I don't have to really think about it. It's my uh youngest sister Brenna's birthday uh this this weekend. And That's so right. we're celebrating uh this evening, going out to dinner, and I think we're gonna go bowling. It's gonna be a blast. So kind of had that one uh pre-planned um which is, which is great. But I, I do always make a habit out of, yeah, doing something after my long run to like celebrate the fact that I did it. It gives me something to look forward to that's looked like brunch or dinner. Um, the only time I really had a bad experience and, and I'll share this just because it was so funny now looking back at it was actually post my 20 mile long run, which was my longest training run I did for the New York city marathon. Um, and at the time I was in Ohio there for like more wedding planning stuff. And I think my friend's wedding at the time, it was like so difficult to get that run scheduled. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, and so I went and I did this 20 mile long run all throughout like Northeast Ohio, uh, and kind of getting lost along the way, but fine. I stopped in at like my mom's place of work to fill up my water bottles and, you know, covered in sweat. It started to sleet around like mile 16 and like this, like horrible winds. Like no one should be outside at all, but I was just like, I have to go. I have to push through. I finally finished actually my now husband, then fiance came out, like met me outside my parents street to help like walk me in. I was in so much pain. I got all showered. And then it was our goal that day to go downtown into Cleveland to get our marriage license. Um, because, um, we, we, we couldn't get it within that time. We were within the time range. It was like a month before our wedding. Um, so we got like, you know, dressed up, showered real quick, hopped in the car, like rushed down. Cause we knew that they would be closing. We got there and they, you have to file by like four, uh, o'clock and we were sent to the wrong office we got there to the right office at 401 and they turned us away even though they're close till 4 30 that you just have to start filing by 401 so they can get the paperwork done oh. they turned us away and i was in so much pain i had like hobbled my body like 
that was feeling so terrible because I just beat it up for like a three hour <laughs> run to get there to be like, please, we don't even live in the state. We're going to yeah. go back to New York City tomorrow. Is there anything you could do? And they said, no, we ended up having to get the license when we came in for the actual wedding, like the week of the wedding, which is fine. We had plenty of time, um, but it was that was going to be like the ultimate long run treat. And it ended up not happening. <laughs> so I went back and I drank a lot of red wine that night. Gotcha. I actually have Brenna. So you, you made me think of something very random, but I, um, I don't really store birthdays on my calendar. I usually just like check Facebook every now and then just make sure I'm not forgetting anyone. Um, or some people I just have memorized, but I think I, but also I recently switched over to Google Calendar, and I think when you, like a few weeks ago or a month ago, gave me, you shared Brenna's contact information with me, it automatically put her birthday on my calendar. <laughs> so this whole month, it's been like, oh, Brenna's birthday's coming up. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, like it's the one birthday on my calendar now, forever, I guess. So congratulations, Brenna, birth- you're on yeah. my calendar. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah send your your birthday greetings. Um, funny enough, my my uh, husband has been uh, getting really into uh, birthday celebrations this year. So basically, everyone he's ever known, he's gotten like their birthdays from like Facebook or just by reaching out and asking, has them all on this big calendar, and he's been sending them birthday cards in the mail every single person so yeah. people who he hasn't talked to in years but like we'll just like as a way to like reach out and reconnect with people and it's been going so well for him it's kind of been his side project um yeah. so his google calendar absolutely littered with birthdays yeah <laughs> so many birthdays <laughs> no idea who some of these people are but they're getting a card uh, well so in that scenario does brenna get a card mailed by him or hand delivered um uh mailed everybody gets their card mm. mailed i will hand deliver my card to her uh <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i know for a fact that brenna's w- went into the mail several days ago so it will nice. be there in time very cool yeah well hey thanks for doing this yeah thanks for having me on i i, I love that we got to chat about running and then also just more life stuff around you know the arts and everything but yeah um i I just have to say before we close all this out, because I think it's a really important part, if not the most important part to my running story, is you are the person that got me into running in the very first place. Um, The story behind that being when we made our mutual agreement that if I were to sign up for a half marathon, that you would do the sommelier like wine training course uh, with the court of master sommeliers with me. And that was the only reason I ever started running in the first place. I absolutely hated it before then. Never thought I would ever run more than a 5k intentionally. And here I am now a half marathoner, a marathoner prepping for my next half. And that's all because uh, of an agreement that you and I made. So thanks so much for (laughs) finding like one of my favorite hobbies, John. I'm absolutely loving it. I appreciate that. Although I feel like I remember it differently because the sommelier thing I mean, gosh, we didn't even talk about wine. We we could oh that <laughs> that's to, another episode. Oh uh, yeah, we'll record one while we're drinking wine. Well, we need to do yeah. that. Um, actually, by the way, side note, um, I'm so DJ our mutual. I'm just not gonna. There are so many like things where I feel like I have to explain things to listeners. They'll figure it out. So DJ and I, I've mentioned we're going to Europe 
in a few weeks. Actually, it's less than four weeks away. And we're one of the places we're going to go, as you know, is Paris. And so I've talked to him and I'm going to record an episode with him there. We're going to record it there because we will have seen a couple shows in um, the on the West End. And then we'll get to like see like the Moulin Rouge and we'll get to see some other stuff in Paris. So we're going to do a special like on location episode uh, talking about like, I mean, we'll talk about whatever, but we're going to like kind of compare like the arts over there versus the arts over here and get our give our first impressions. But you and I need to do that with wine. We need to do that on location sitting by the vines, you know, we'll have to figure that out. Um, what was I going to say though about run? Okay. So the sommelier thing though, I, I remember doing that not because of any sort of agreement. It was just sort of like, I always wanted to do it, but it's $600. And I remember thinking, nah, I'm not willing to spend that much. Like that, like, because I didn't want to become a sommelier. I just wanted to do it because I love wine. And then as soon as you said you were going to do it, I remember thinking, I have to do it. Because if I know someone else who does it, I'm going to always hate myself for not doing it too. So I remember, like, that's what I remember about that. But, and then the, as far as the running, I just, I just know, like, I love like the marathon running a marathon changed me. And I think it's just like one of the best things I've ever done in my life, especially like the first one, you know, just as you probably will always feel like that first one was the most special for you. And I just know, like I tell, I mean, it's common for runners to tell everyone about how great it is, but um, I, I think I just remember you kind of saying like you wanted to do your wording was you wanted to do a race someday that had the word marathon in it, right? That's, That's what right. you would say. Yeah. And so you were, so you would talking about doing the half. And so my whole, like, I'm just so glad you did it. I'm just so glad you did it. I just want Yeah. Um, and that was fun. That was actually, that was really fun too, because that first half was the Brooklyn half in May. And then we went to Napa with Mike like two weeks later or something like that. That was, that was a pretty good month. <laughs> it was 2019. What a time we, we really had a nice little high there before yeah. everything <laughs> changed. Um, oh, so yeah. such a bummer too, because I remember doing that and thinking like, this was perfect. We've got to do this every year. We'll do the Brooklyn <laughs> half and then like, we'll rest up. We'll go to Napa. We'll drink a bunch of great wine. And then like, you know, whatever. And, uh, Come yeah. back train for the full marathon. What is yeah, time. exactly. Um, but so much for that. Uh, but anyways, Napa will happen someday. I'll be there. <laughs> yes. Whenever, whenever, whenever you're available to, whenever you and Mike are available to make it out, the I I will be there. I'll be there waiting for you. For sure. Does Napa have any marathons? I believe they do. I might have seen an advertisement for one. They definitely do. I'm I'm a little apprehensive about it just because like I don't know I don't know if I would enjoy that. Like Napa's beautiful, so it would be a nice place to run, but I wonder if all of that time spent there, I would just be wishing I was at a winery, like drinking, you know? <laughs> because you like yeah. 
the day, especially like the days leading, like for me personally, like the days leading up to a, a marathon, I'm not going to drink anything. And like, I'm going to be very strict about my, you know, when I'm going to bed and blah, 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 blah. And I don't know, like maybe it would be nice. I just, when I think of Napa, I feel like cramming my schedule with just like, I'm going to go to as many wineries as possible. And then like, going to go home and drink some of the wine I bought that day. And um, I don't know. Would you do it? Would you do a Napa marathon? Yeah, but I would totally plan uh, to have like a marathon. It's like the very early part in my trip. And then sure. I'd spend the days after my trip, like, like the bulk of my time in Napa, just hobbling around to different wineries, probably drinking some beautiful wine to help subdue the pain of, yeah. of marathon life. Um, so that's how I'd plan it. I, I definitely would not want to put myself in any sort of position where I was indulging in any wine in the days leading up to the marathon. Um, the ideal uh, for all the races I've done so far, um, do like a two week sobriety period beforehand. Yeah. Just my body is in tip top condition. Um, well, I just pulled it up on my computer. It's March. The next one's March 3rd, 2024. And registration opens in June. So I guess right now can i get a verbal commitment <laughs> on we'll the record it. i'll yeah. do it if you do it oh gosh i i, I will commit to looking into the napa marathon <laughs> um okay. if in fact it like has like if it's well organized and i see some like solid pictures and if there's like a little bit of like bubbly at the finish line then like i don't know you you might have a you might have a deal uh but i'll take yeah, a look. I, I mean we can all stay at my mom's place um fantastic let me see yeah, I mean, I never considered it until you brought it up, honestly. But, oh, wow, it's following the Silverado Trail from Calistoga to Napa. Oh, yeah, that would be incredible. Because that would be a that would be along, you know, it would be along the um, the eastern side of the valley where mm -hmm. it's like less freeway and more nature. Um, OK, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, but I'll wait to Don't do, wait I'll it. wait to do, I'll wait to hear from you though. Cause I, I think this would be, especially if you and Mike, you know, if, if this year's not going to happen, and, um, this can at least be a maybe for next year. You know, this, this is definitely a maybe. Definitely a maybe. Love to hear it. Well, thanks for having me on John. This has been so much fun. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll do it again after whatever project happens next. We'll see. Um, Maybe we'll be able to, if non-ec ever, if that actually happens or something else. We'll see. One day. Cool. All right. Have a Bye, everyone. Day.